Welcome, welcome folks to the Dr. Rima Truth Reports, the Unmasked Crusaders. Uh, we are here live again with a renowned guest. You are going to want to listen to this program carefully. Dr. Rima, onward. Thank you, and indeed onward. Um, our guest is really exciting. Um, she has truth to tell, she tells it, and she helps other people say it. Um, there will be a meeting on the 28th that we'll tell you all about that uh, I will be presenting at that uh, Sarah has organized and it's very exciting and we have much to cover. Before we bring Sarah Westall into the conversation, um, I want to point out that around the world, various countries are dropping the requirement for the COVID jabs. Uh, Switzerland has done so. Um, Sweden is no longer recommending it for anyone below the age of 50. I guess they figure it would be nice to keep some of them alive. Um, the, um, the narrative is breaking apart into its own toxic, illogical, unscientific pieces. And that means that this is the moment when the other side fights back harder. It is a wounded beast. Now, the vaccine narrative is only part of the story. Of course, it's part of a much larger beast. But the the push will now be for new vaccines, the RSV vaccine and mRNA vaccine, to vaccines in food, vaccines in, in plants, vaccines in everything, because that is an enormously important part of the depopulation transhumanization and control agenda. And therefore, this is not the time to become complacent. In addition, the international health regulations at the World Health Assembly are probably going to run into a great deal of political problem, probably going to run into a whole lot of difficulty because even the World Health Organization has been forced to admit through its review process of these amendments that they do in fact remove sovereignty from each and every country and they do in fact remove any personal autonomy from each and every person and they have pointed out in their official report that that could be a real problem for countries and people who may not be happy with giving up their autonomy and sovereignty to the dictatorship of the world dictator general of WHO in the event of a pandemic, an undefined pandemic. So that is, there will be a, a quieting of that roar, but that is not the time to become silent either. When they run into trouble and they start doubling down on telling us how important they are and how much we need them, that's the time for us, instead of getting complacent and say, oh, well, we dodge that bullet to say you are weak and now we can kill you to the organizations that have to be killed. I am not violating, I am not advocating violence. I am advocating political pushback and that political pushback needs to kill WHO. It needs to kill the United Nations and it needs to save us. So I'm just giving you a sort of little heads up about what's going to happen. It's going to seem like we did what we needed to do and we can all go back to sleep. 
and that's the worst time to become complacent. And if you're not going to prevent genocide2030.org on a regular basis and taking actions there and reading the new information and watching the new videos, then you're shortchanging yourself because you really need to do that. Okay, that's what I have to say. Ralph, you want to add anything before we find out more about Sarah and find out all of the the fascinating and interesting things that she's been doing and saying. Can't hear you, Ralph. You're on mute. Nope. I want to listen to Sarah. Okay. Our guest is Sarah Westall. Sarah is a new friend. I only met her recently through the good offices of James Roguski, our friend and um, close collaborator. And Sarah's a fascinating lady. We spent, I don't know, an hour uh, or a little more getting to know each other recently on a Zoom meeting. So Sarah, tell us who you are, tell us what your background is, and tell us why you're not content with the status quo and just letting things be the way they are. Well, <laughs> the status quo, why I'm not, I'll, st I'll end with why I'm not content. I guess my, my background is, I'm, you know, I started in um, big tech. I'm a scientist, computer scientist, engineer. I went to the University of Minnesota Engineering School. Then I also have a business background. I actually was working towards my MBA and I started a business and it took off, a multi-million dollar business. And so I stopped pursuing my MBA because I already had a big, decent business going. And, and so that's what I, I did. But then I ran into, there's a long story, so I'm not going to get into it, but I ran into a very crooked banking system and I lost my business and it was horrifying. But I learned more than you could, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's not worth the pain I went through to learn what I learned, but I learned it. And it was kind of a good wake up call for me when all this stuff came about. And then I was approached to uh, well let me talk about before I, that happened i i worked at us west that was right out of college and i was promoted pretty quickly i was at the enterprise which was the high speed networking division of us west which is a baby bell right and we had 75% of the frame relay market which is i don't want to get too technical here but it's the backbone of the internet in those days we had 75% of the backbone of the internet everyone wanted to partner with us. I was promoted. I ended up being the director of systems and development for that organization. And I learned a lot. And we were the center of everything that was going on. I thought at that time we were going to bring in, you know, freedom and peace. I mean, I didn't think for sure we would, but I thought this was the tool to do it, right? I was so excited about it. I remember talking about it and we could be a hundred years in the future by looking at data. I was doing, I taught Bellcore engineers how to do data modeling. That's where I learned the most is by doing that. And then I, I did a lot of other things, but you know, I was an entrepreneur at heart. So when things started going south there, there was some takeovers of the company and there was some criminals involved and all that stuff. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So that's what I ended up doing. And, but I learned a lot through that process and it giving me insight that with all these, it's almost like I look at the, my past and I think, wow, I was put into all these positions and learned all these things for what's happening today. And I didn't know that. I just felt like I was getting my butt kicked all over the place. Right. Well, not when I was, not when I was at US West, I just felt like I was learning a lot, you know, like, holy crap. And now I look back at what I was put in and I didn't realize I was too naive and young to realize 
the magnitude of what I was part of. Looking back at it, I'm like, wow, I was really part of something special back then. But we didn't know. I mean, everyone, that was the days when we wanted to be Google. You know, we had everything back then. And it's not how it turned out, right? And the intelligence agencies came in and everything else. But, you know, I look back at some of these other things and I think, gosh, I was put through some pretty big ringers just so to be set up for today. And I was approached back in, I don't know, 2012 or something to do a business podcast show. And uh, his name was Brad Saul. He had a, it was like the third largest radio network in the independent, it was the third largest independent radio network in the country. And he approached me, wanted me to do a business um, podcast because he was starting this whole podcasting thing. My show aired right, it was either before or after Newt Gingrich's. I mean, that's how I started. I was airing out of New York and he was my personal coach. He wanted me to do, he's like, wow, you have potential. Sad part, he was disabled and brilliant man, but died like about seven years ago. But I, that's how I got involved in podcasting. But the thing is, is that I started to learn quickly that, cause my, my show was all about the edge of change and science. And I was so excited about, um, you know, all these inventions. And that's how I met, you know, like Sherry Edwards, who talks about the, you know, the um, bioacoustics and I'm, uh, you know, how you can do sound to do health. I, I have been using and, bioacoustics clinically since 1992 when I met Sherry. Yeah, it's it's amazing stuff. And then I, I yeah. interviewed um, Dr. Bill Andrews, who was the first, it was the first time he announced to the whole Western world because they knew it in the East, but they didn't know it in the West, that he had the solution to lengthen telomeres 100%. It was just really expensive. So that's why it's not available yet to the public um, because it was like a million dollars per treatment. So it's just not feasible yet. But they're very, very close. I mean, longevity is very close. But I was doing all these things, but I also had uh, energy solutions. You know, people could do endless batteries. I was And I started learning. And then I interviewed some people like Jimmy Boots who took down the most pedophile networks in the world. And I started realizing and connecting the dots that, oh my gosh, all these like amazing things that are available to us, to humanity is being shut down and suppressed because of the blackmail networks and this other control grid that's in place. And, and it, it makes sense in the sense that they want to control the, the cash cows. They want to control the whole global economy. I understand that from a business perspective, but I don't understand how you allow human beings to suffer at the level that they're allowing in order to just make a buck or to do. So there was more to this. And that's when I started digging in. And then COVID came. And I mean, I had my foundation already. So when COVID came, I could see through it right away. And that was, I, I put this, I don't know what got into me, but I did a, it took me three hours to put this mini documentary together and I went on this tour trying to convince everybody not to get the vaccine and um, it was in March 2020 so it was really early and I had it still stands today what was in that documentary and I was freaking out I, I don't and so I was just like I, I got to do this I don't know why I just felt like I had to don't know if I saved any lives but I sure tried and um, I so I sat just like you and you got mostly a lot of your audience who already had the foundation. We watched the slow moving train wreck, which was COVID. And we did what we could, but it was traumatizing to watch it. I, even though I had so much of the foundation, I wasn't ready. I don't know if anybody was ready for quite what we experienced. 
because even though we knew they were going, or we, we thought they were going to do it, we saw the evidence they were going to do it, but to this level, it was quite interesting. But the reason I'm focused on uh, free speech, you know, because I created United for Free Speech, and you, you, you are speaking at it, we're, it's called the Censored Conference, is what we're calling these series <coughs> of conferences that we're doing. And the reason I started that was because I watched, just like the rest of us, very, very important information being censored that would have saved countless lives. Without the censorship, we'd be in a different situation today because those of us who were trying to warn people of what was going on were censored. And uh, for example, I had 10 you know, doctors and PhD scientists and deleted off of YouTube. That was my first indication. I was being, I was being uh, censored, but not like full blown shut down, but they didn't shut me originally off for the election fraud or anything else I did, or even for human trafficking. But those doctors and scientists that went against the COVID narrative, they took those things off first. That was the first thing that they attacked. And that really opened my eyes as well as what they were trying to do. But this censorship ban, censorship on treatments, you know, doctors that had 100 percent, I don't know about 100, but 99.9%, somebody in their 90s that get, got a cold or got COVID might die just because it's their time. But in general, these people were saving almost everyone. Those people were being banned and targeted for losing their licenses because they weren't using the protocols that were put in these hospitals. I also found, I did a presentation at a false flags uh, conference. And I found um, through my research that, you know, at West Point, Dr. Giordano, I think, isn't it Jared? Oh, I don't know, Giordano or something. Um, I should know his name off the top of my head. I'm glad I can't remember his name. He's not a very nice man. But he presented research on how you could create an illness and then um, have the protocols in the hospitals be solving a problem that doesn't solve the problem of the illness and you could decapacitate an entire community that way and uh that's what they it was he was talking about psyops and modern warfare and how you can do that and i'm like well that's covid you a-hole that's what they did they they declared this illness and then these people that went into the hospitals they were getting they weren't they were censoring the people who had legitimate solutions and then they were giving them protocols that were killing them Right, we were all part of this. Midazolam and remdesivir. What's going on? Yeah, remdesivir. Taking them off the ventilator, taking them off the nutrients they really needed. So they go in there and they get nothing. They took them off vitamin D, um, zinc, everything. They were the most malnourished people too. They're on a ventilator in a coma state with no nutrients. They were killing them, and then giving them remdesivir, which would. I mean, your audience probably knows all this, that would shut down organs and everything. I mean, they were just while it wasn't even that if that was all we had for the sickness and we and everybody was dying like flies and they were doing the best they could. OK, fine. But we knew there were these treatments over here that were working 100 percent and they were censoring them. And that let me, to me, let go me ahead. suggest the word that I use for this, Sarah, iatrogenocide. That is, it is. It's it is you know people are starting to say this was genocide, but crimes against humanity at a level that we've never seen in human history, like the worst crimes against humanity, worse than Mao and Stalin. You know he puts Hitler and the Nazis to shame. To you know, shame. 
Put exactly. them in the dust. I mean, exactly. it's, it's, they beat the they beat their mark so much that it doesn't even compare, right? This is at a whole nother level. And and so those of us who saw this happening real time, like you and a lot of others, I, I'm assuming you were as horrified as I was, you know. And I just couldn't. I I, I don't know. We're gonna have. I I still feel like we're in this battle, but we're gonna have years of 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 recovery just for dealing with that. I mean, our our people need to recover and we're not done with this war. Back in my area, we still have advertisements for booster shots. There's a lot of people oh, yes. here oh, yes. who are still who are still clueless and are are just not even aware at all. So why did I create United for Free Speech and why are the censored so important? Because that's the blood on their hands. That's our tool. You guys are fighting, and I, we, we got to keep fighting the World Health Organization. That's one of the main things that they're doing. But without freedom of speech, freedom of speech is a weapon for us. It's a tool to enlighten people. In order for them to implement their agendas, like the World Health Organization, their depopulation, their centralized digital currency, I mean, you name it, all the crap they're trying to do, their one obstacle, their biggest obstacle, main obstacle, for implementing all their crap is freedom of speech. It's true. And so they're the, it's the weapon yes. that they they most fear is the multiplication of truth that's in right. our and, minds and, and our hearts. That's right. And so we need to be able to keep the, the lights on. We need to be able to communicate this and express it because our biggest battles will be very difficult without our ability to speak to each other. And so I jumped in the ring and said, I realize that there are other, there's other things that'll damage us, you know, their agenda or all these other things, but our main weapon for fighting those agendas is speaking and our ability to get to all these people. Because, because the reason there's so many people that have died so far was their ability to hide the truth and to openly lie to people. So I, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm so dedicated to it, because I want to help you. It's like we're a team. I want to help you guys keep the lights on because we need you guys out there fighting. We need all these people out there fighting, doing their thing, but we need to keep this weapon that you have open and available. And that's what I think my role is because um, I, don't, I don't know. That's just what I did. That's what I feel like I'm called to do. And, and I it's think incredibly it's important. important. It's Very incredibly important. Absolutely. Um, if we cannot speak our truth, then even if we know it, it becomes meaningless. We have to be able to communicate it to one another and expand it and deepen our knowledge and understanding right. and debate with one another and disagree with one another and mm -hmm. and sharpen each other's thought through that process of disagreement. I want to a little bit later after you talk about the meeting that you're you're hosting on the 28th at which I'm honored to be speaking. Thank you. Um, I want to tell a story about what happened on Sunday um, that illustrates exactly what we're talking about. So tell us about the meeting. Oh, on the 28th, August 20th, it's act two. We did our first one on August 28th. No, we did our first one or in it, March. This one is and this April is part, Act 28th. Two. Yes. It's April 28th. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. If I said August, it's April 28th. 
And we're hoping that each one, I mean, the speakers we have this time are amazing. You're one of them. And I just, you know, we just got to create the tsunami, the censored people and you know, you're censored. We're trying to get this information out to people and say this, you know, censorship might be boring. People are sick of hearing about censorship, but the censored are far from boring. It is, to me, it's the most exhilarating thing is listening to what, what truth is coming from people who are censored because they open up minds, they change paradigms, they, they bring enlightenment. And, and so it's, it's, it's critical to what, what this war is. And that's what we're doing. So April 28th, it's April 28th and 29th. We have too many speakers to do it in one night. And we, we usually start April 28th, we'll start at 7 p.m. Central Time. And we will go through, and it'll go on Saturday too. And then they'll, that'll be free. And then there'll be an encore um, time where it's all free. And then we ask that you buy a ticket so that we can help raise money to keep doing this and to invest in initiatives. And um, if you buy a ticket, you can buy one now, you can watch all of Act 1 for free and you can watch Act 2 for free on your time. You don't have to sit and watch it while it's there. You can watch each individual speaker when you have time. Plus, it's, it's a donation so you can write it off. And it helps 100% of these funds are going towards this. So that that's what this is about. Give us the website. And, oh, go to unitedforfreespeech.com. Unitedforfreespeech.com. Sign up for the newsletter and you will learn all about it. All the free speech platforms are where we are um, putting the conference. It will be streaming live on Rumble. That's the one that we probably will use this time. It'll be streaming live on Rumble and on our front page of our website. And then, um, but it will be available on all the free, it'll be a Rumble, Odyssey, Brighteon, um, BitChute, and Bastion. Bastion's an important um, platform because Bastion, and I'll probably rerun his talk from the first time, because his, his platform is all blockchain and it's also separate from, um, the internet per se, I mean, it's all on the network, but it runs, you can still get on. If they decide to shut down the internet and your access to all these video platforms, you'll be able to communicate still on Bastion if you download an app from their application. Some of the, wow. it was working in, yeah, it was working in one of the, one of the countries that toppled their government and they shut down the internet. The way they were communicating was through Bastion. And because that was the one platform or the one communication they still had available to them. And that's how the Freedom Fighters, it was, oh, what was the one where they stormed the Capitol, the president fled the country? Um, this just happened like a year ago. Bastion was their source of communication, all the Freedom Fighters. So, Ralph, can you please, can you please uh, put a note on your list to look into, ba Ralph takes care of this stuff for us, to look into Bastion and make sure we're there? Yeah, it's an important thing. It's an important thing for everybody to have that. It just as even backup communication to have it on your network and your I'm on there and I, I, I publish all my stuff on there and I share it. I share all my videos on there, but I just think it's important from a technology standpoint that we are aware of this because I don't know what they're going to do to us. From Not our, only is it important, I think it's vitally important. I would, I would go a step further because we depend on the internet. And I've always said, as long as we have the internet, we have a chance of winning. They can easily take the internet from us. We've seen this in many countries when the government gets unhappy enough with what 
the people are doing. They simply stop the communication system. But if there is a, a parallel system that we can access, this is unbelievably important. And yeah, I will certainly investigate it for myself. And let me explain it a little bit. It, it uses the networks that the internet uses, but it doesn't use the internet protocols per se. It uses private, it's like using the dark web, essentially. You're not using the, the DNS servers of that um, Google manages. You're going around that. You're still using exactly. the networks, but you're not doing that. And they can't shut everything down anyways because they need it for their own communications and for their own emergency services. They would <laughs> shut down their own abilities. So it's they can't do it completely. So we take advantage of that through this, this application. That's what that it, is. Yeah. Indeed, this... Uh, uh, the original internet was built to be robust, robust even in the face of an atomic war. Uh, so I don't know, you, you may be right about that. Um, is that website Bastion, B-A-S-T-I-O-N? B-A-S-T-Y-O-N. Ah, B-A-S-T-Y-O-N. Uh, okay, thank you. I did not know this. Um, I have been worrying about our freedom capabilities in the event of a an internet shutdown. So this is very, very interesting to me. Yeah, and they're gonna keep going at it. I mean, it's becoming more and more, even with the Twitter files, we've just, we've just taken a major hit because now Elon Musk is ratcheting it up. I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but they're ratcheting them up um, censorship again. And the people he was working with to disclose all this stuff, he's at odds with, and they're all fighting. And so that one, which is great, I, what they brought forward, the truth they brought forward was very important. But now it's like this big clown show of what they're doing. Even though the information they brought forward was very important, it makes Elon Musk look like he's un mentally unstable. I don't know. But I'm just saying there's, we took well, a isn't step that, that way. Isn't that useful to them? I think so, yeah. Absolutely. And, and furthermore... Then, uh, there on. is another piece to Elon Musk, and that is Neuralink. Oh, Elon. there's more to Elon <laughs> Neuralink. There's, there's a, a great lot to Elon. deal to it. He so owns SpaceX, fact, Tesla, he exactly. owns uh, Neuralink. Exactly. He owns he owns the satellite communications in Ukraine that they're using. This guy's yes. not just this. Uh, He's this not just your 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 average Twitter uh, guy. hero no. guy. He's by any means. You can't be yeah. that naive. Yeah. And so when it first came out that he's doing, I'm like, ah, I don't know. You guys, <laughs> I don't know about this. I, I think we're going to be pretty naive to just call this. He's our hero. I mean, I, I'll take what they gave us. I think that was super important. But I think he was forced behind the scenes, I think, with some lawsuits. So I think that's why. But I don't know. But YouTube is cracking down on new people now. I mean, they've taken a whole new wave. But we got to stop using those environments. Instead of people stopping using those environments, they're just censoring themselves on there. And yes. they're not building up their other base. So they're only on YouTube watching their numbers dwindle. And they're not building up their listener base off of YouTube. So they're, that is not a good place for us. And they just... YouTube, I always said that what they did is they convinced that we won't be evil, don't do evil, be good, or whatever their model was. They got everybody on there, and then once everybody was captured, they did this. The timing was exactly that. So those a-holes planned it, and, uh, you know, it was, or it was perfect coincidence, and 
that's what we're dealing with. Now, the, the good part is these freedom platforms are growing and they're growing in great numbers. We just have to keep nurturing them, keep growing. Uh, you can't operate a business the way that these guys are operating their business. You, you just, you can't do that and be a thriving business long-term, but I don't think they're thinking long-term. They have agendas and they want to implement those agendas before YouTube dies on its own for being a poorly run business. You know, but Google, uh, go ahead. The concept of running a business is based on the idea that you have to actually generate your own capital and then spend your capital to continue generating more capital and provide some sort of a service. That's essentially a business, whether you're whether you're selling um, uh, chickens in the market or whether you're you're an incredibly advanced technological system. That's how you run a business, at least as I understand it. Well, and you, these you guys do a are not running a business. Yeah, they're and running. Go ahead. Yes, there, there's a government or back Science. back end a, uh, control system that can just shovel right. money in as needed. If that's, that's not right. a business, that's not a business. They're be, they're being propped up, like CNN and all those guys. They're being propped up. The thing is, is that a good business has the best product. Customers go to the product they think is better for them. And uh, the, YouTube would die if they weren't being prepped, propped up. You know, this is just craziness, but that's what's happening. You know, this is so, scenario. Room. Talk to us about what censorship means. The most, most extreme kind of censorship is that, but that is far from the only kind of censorship. You talked about people self-censoring in order to be able to be on YouTube, for example. Um, you have thought deeply and you have a systems capacity to your thinking as an engineer. So talk to us about how you understand censorship in in its fullness. Well, you know, I, I got to say the first thing that people do or that tyrants do, dictators do, is they go in and they shut down, they take over control of the media. They kill the people who are in their way that they can't control and they otherwise they shut them down and they set up their own media networks every single dictator did that well let me may, may i disagree yeah. with you and say that the first thing that they do is take over language and thought they make well, certain they things do. unthinkable and then the media reinforces that and and smashes thought but they do it through the media. Well, when um, when they get power, that's what they do. They formally shut down the other media stations. Yes. And then they control it. And so it's about controlling thought and it's about controlling. But that's the actions they do because they now have the power to wipe them out. And they don't care. I mean, that, that's what they do. They, they either kill the people who they can't control and then they shut down the media. That's what they've done. Mao, Stalin, Hitler, all of them did that. And um, then they implement, and they started implementing their propaganda beforehand, right? But once they have full control, it's full-blown propaganda. But in our current environment, <laughs> what they're doing to censor, I, I created a um, article that says, uh, is about myself, but this is, it could, you couldn't put many different people in my place. 
and I said what it's like to be unpersoned in America. And I talked about um, all the full, complete way that they're they're censoring. And you know, and then I talked about self censorship too. That's that's part of it. The mindset of being afraid to challenge authority is their weapon. That's how they're. That's a psyop on what they're trying to do. That's part Spam. of the propaganda. But they are. They're doing it. You know, like YouTube, they're shutting down channels. Google, they're they're. Um, making it so that only their propaganda networks are the ones that are on top that are sending the messages that they want you to hear. And that's the same thing they're doing with YouTube. Now they control about 92% of the worldwide search engine market between Google and YouTube. So they, and in some countries they have a hundred percent control. So that right there is a massive weapon against the people and they're using it. And then um, th there's also these other search engines that that supposedly are free, but a lot of them use Google's search engine market or engine. And we, we're not sure unless we can get to the back end and do some investigative work, which you can't do because we can't ever take them to court and do discovery. We need to see how much of this are they controlling. The DNS networks, the networks that are um, managed by, you know, the, the website names and the, the DNS, you know, like I, like uh, sarahwestall.com. They're, they're, with the internet, they're rerouting and making it so that's very difficult for that to ever be seen. Okay, so then you got the Twitter where they're shutting people down. You have, they're cutting off people's ability to make money. So in my case, they shut me off Patreon, but a lot of other journalists were shut off PayPal and like almost every way that you could be paid, they were shutting them down, shutting down bank accounts, um, completely making it so they can't eat, you don't get paid for what they're doing. And then they're doing, you know, Facebook, all the social media platforms. But then they're also making it so that they're doing smear um, articles against people like us. And, and so that they're, while they're totally censoring us, they're also smearing us and making us look like we're conspiracy nutbags as much as they can without people being able to see any kind of alternative information to the contrary because that's all they get to see. Now, the, in, in certain cases where somebody is um, a little bit more, uh, they're good at communicating with people and they're like, uh, I would say Dr. McCullough or somebody who's really good with communicating, what they do is instead of smearing them, although they do smear them, they work overdrive to keep people away from them. My website was taken down by GoDaddy, by the Criminal Crime Division, whatever, National Crime Division. What the hell is that? I tried to figure out what that was. Who is that and who, what crime did I commit? I never found out, but nonetheless, they took my website down. I got it back. I got the workers inside GoDaddy helped me get my domain name back because they were appalled. They were very good to work with. They said, we don't do this. I don't know what the hell. And um, I'm like, I don't even know what crime I committed. And then I had um, my site set up in another country and it's protected under whistleblower type um, protection. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that they were doing full blown everything they can to to unperson somebody and to take away your ability to make money. That's pretty serious, all because you don't agree with the government narrative on an issue and they don't want to have to face the information that you're sharing. They claim it's a national security risk or they claim that it is uh, dangerous to society. Well, if my information- Disinformation so or disinformation? 
Yeah, well, if it's so dangerous to the community, why don't you address the things that I'm saying and show why it's inaccurate? Instead, they smear it. And then when they do address it, they address it with total, I'm going to say the total bullshit. And so they don't really get anybody who's a critical thinker should be able to see through the BS and how they address this stuff. And that's the danger. I mean, that's when you know, I get to watch all this firsthand, just like you guys. And so it, it was it was scarier to watch their behavior than COVID was, you know? I mean, that it was scary to watch them in operation and to be so calculating and to be so cruel in such a cold, callous, calculating way, which resulted in millions of deaths. And they've just started. And people need to understand this. And I don't know what more we can do than to keep the truth getting out there. You guys fighting the World Health Organization is one of the most important fights that you could possibly do because that's one of their immunity. They, they're, what they're doing, Corey Diggs is going to be speaking at the Censored Conference. She's amazing journalist. And she did a two-part um, investigative series on how they are using Im immunity clauses internationally to operate above the law, to be able to do whatever, it's what section 230 is for big tech. They can do whatever they want. They can steal, they can do whatever, and, and every single case is thrown out of court because they have this section 230 immunity clause, so they're completely misusing it, but that's what they have. They did the same thing with uh, health laws, with all sorts. You gotta, you gotta listen to her uh, presentation on. I believe she'll, she'll either be on the 28th or 29th. I'm not sure. We'll see the lineup, but she's gonna explain what she found and how they're using this network to completely control all of us and to not allow us any kind of legal action. That's why we're struggling in the courts and everywhere else. The Prep Act, you know, with vaccines, all this crap that they've put in place to allow them to operate with immunity. And they've done it on, on all the important things that they've weaponized right now. It's like they've spent the last 40 years preparing it through legal law, through big tech, through all these things that they've been preparing in order to be able to implement it now. Because when you realize the legal stuff and the immunity clauses that they have in place, like oh my god they've been planning this for a long time actually, it's really incredible actually i'm i'm in the process of preparing um my presentation for another meeting that will be this weekend the america the american freedom alliance in torrance california and if you want to register use the code dr rima for a 25 percent discount drrima anyway i'm preparing my my powerpoint for this and what i've discovered is that it's not four years, Sarah. This has been in preparation, literally exactly what we're living through now, the genocide, the technological um, alteration of our neurology and our DNA and our uh, basic humanity. This has all been laid out, planned and strategized since before the turn of the 20th century. Yeah, I said since, 40 years, but I wouldn't doubt it was more than 100 years. Yeah. Since the foundation since before yeah. the foundation of the Rockefeller Institute in 2000 and, uh, in in 1901. 1901. Since before that. Well, and so and we're talking about crazy, though. Keep Go going. ahead. 
I was going to say, isn't it crazy that it's multi-generation? They've been planning this to implement after they're dead, which is very interesting. It's very interesting indeed. Um, and what they did was they were waiting for the science because they couldn't do what they wanted to do without the science, so they bought the science. Mm -hmm. And they directed national and private uh, scientific exploration to get to what they wanted, to get to the bioengineering and the, um, yep. Uh, yep. the genetic, uh, uh, the genome project and so on. All of these wonderful, glorious, let's save humanity things that have been going on were directed Weaponized. to bring them the ability to weaponize everything, weaponize our food, weaponize our communication, weaponize our bodies, weaponize our nervous system, weaponize water, weaponize the air, weaponize the soil, weaponize relationships, weaponize the very concepts with which we uh, apprehend the world and think we understand it, to weaponize every aspect of life laid out in a clear consistently That's right. articulated program. These when people you, are brilliant yeah, well, they, and crazy. I, you know, well, they're, they have the balls to do it. It's like, oh my God. But who has that kind of, um, you know. Psychopaths. Yeah, psychopaths you, and people with absolute power will do this kind of stuff. Absolute yes. power corrupts absolutely. They're, that is true. And, and, and I suspect that we're talking about multi-generational psychopaths. Yes. Well, because they do the blackmail systems. They do the, the child abuse, split their personalities. I mean, that's something that I've done a lot of research on. It, this, their whole agenda seems crazy until you dive into it and see fact after fact after fact. And then they did the COVID thing, and we're traumatized watching them implement what we've been reading and studying. It is in incredible that it's true and it's horrifying that it's true and um i don't the, you know it, we have to you no get matter into how crazy, it the crazier it is it is and no matter how crazy we sound you know i told we were on i was just on a show with andy sheckman and i said you know what I, we sound like nutbags i go but our but we're strong we have the courage we have i'm not very big but i've brought enough shoulders to be able to carry that burden to say that because of for our children, that we can be, I can be called a nutbag. I don't care, call me a nutbag, but you, let's talk about these things because this is really going on and you need to know about it. And I, you know, I, it is what we have that burden on us. Those of us I, who started to figure it out. I, I, wanna, <clears throat> I wanna appeal to you, Sarah. And that is that all my conspiracy theories, which of course were conspiracy facts, have been proven to be accurate. I'm fresh out of conspiracy theories. Do you have some new ones? Well, well, they still think that the genetic modification. I mean, the, the masses still don't believe a lot of these things are are anything but conspiracy theories. But more and more are realizing that. Oh my. God, they're really doing this. The thing is, is that so much of this this technology could be used for glorious, amazing advancements for humanity. We just like I always thought the internet could bring peace and freedom. It it can, and it can bring enlightenment in a way that we we have never experienced as a human race, at least in the history that we have been able to know about. 
we we just haven't experienced this much learning and enlightenment if we're if the lights are allowed to stay on. And same with so much of the other technology that's really out there as we're learning and growing as a species. So it could be amazing, but in the hands of the wrong people, in the hands of psychopaths that have weaponized it, it's really bad because it's very, very powerful. And so, you know, it, it's, it's um, we just have to reclaim it and say, this is for humanity. It's not for you to be a psychopath and to do, implement your weirdo cult agenda. This is for humanity to grow and be the best it can be. And you need to get out of the way because you are, you're, you're insane and you're, insane. you're hurting people. And I think we have to, we have to collectively have the bravery and individually have the bravery to say, wait a minute, just because you're rich and powerful and just because you can, you control massive resources doesn't mean that you're not batshit crazy. You are batshit crazy. <laughs> Yes. And let us look at the, the contents of what you're saying. Let us look at the impact of what you're doing. And let us evaluate that against ordinary human awareness and, and against morality and ask, is that batshit crazy or is that not batshit crazy? Well, and your money and your power is nothing compared to the value of the human race. So I don't care how much money and power you have. The human race is way more value, valuable than you and your power and your money. And we need to say that amount of money and that power is irrelevant. We are more powerful. We have more riches with our souls than you ever will have. And we need to reclaim this. Exactly. But until we get there, it, we're going to have to deal with this because we can't, we, money doesn't, should not buy them this kind of influ influence that money money has bought them through this uh more than 125 year intensely focused program <clears throat> vast amounts of money have bought them the opportunity to shape everything that we think of as our society and as normal, except for what's in our hearts and what connects That's with right. the wider reality. That they have not yet been able to control and to diminish well, and to destroy, but they're working on it. They're working for, on for, it hard. And they did a pretty good job on, a, on probably the majority, at least in my area. But I think there are there's a large growing minority that they not only did not reach they did they educated us on what they're about and how far they'll go yes they, they overreached they overreached they this, is, us. this yep. is hubris on their part <clears throat> their hubris has overstepped our ability to be blinded and i want to i want to make a point about something that you said earlier because i'm i'm really resonating with all of the points that you're making sarah i'm so glad we have this chance to to um, get to know each other's thoughts and, and focuses better. Um, you said, <clears throat> you talked about the vast number of people who were damaged and destroyed by the COVID um, mismedication, by the, uh, the COVID um, uh, uh, abuse in not allowing normal 
early treatment protocols and and the the things that actually work to to keep people from having um, these these iatrogenic disasters that that we've seen. Now, from our point of view, from the point of view of humans, this has been a failure of public health and of medicine and of uh, regulatory strategies and of society in general. That's our point of view. From their point of view, it's been a pretty good start. Not yeah. much more, but just a pretty good start. A because good start to depopulation, yeah. Yeah, their agenda is to completely destroy, to deconstruct human society, to deconstruct human independence, to deconstruct human population and reproductive capacity, and to collapse the population into a small remaining moiety of slaves who are genetically and neurologically captured so that they are part of the internet of bodies and worse. And they're on their way unless we say, don't you dare. And that's why your conference next week, the 28th and the 29th, is part of such an important movement of saying, we will tell the truth, we will remain human, we will communicate with each other, and we will stop you. And we have to. <laughs> yes, like, and there's I don't no know, option. And I, I am not completely sure that we can do it by just telling them no. I think... No, no, that's nowhere near sufficient. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to all rise up and say, not only don't you dare, we won't let you. You Um, But we're not there yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. And, I, you know, every time this currency resets a big deal, too, we're hearing the war drums against China and all this stuff. I got to talk about the United States. The United States is trying to blame China for everything that happened over, you know, all the COVID stuff, right? But well, of course the China, United States is. Why wouldn't they? Well, but China, but the, the people are, a lot of the patriots and people who are awake, supposedly, understanding the overall agenda, they're all buying it. And yeah, China probably did a bunch of stuff, but they, China didn't, did they pay our hospitals to give the wrong protocols? Did they go in all the universities and force the universities to force the kids to get the shot? Did all the best medical schools in the world uh did they force them to ignore the studies and to ignore everything they knew about masking for the last century? China didn't do that. We did that to ourselves. The government, the military, the military is one that forced the people to do that. The military is one that hid the data, the DMED data, and then when it was exposed and the whistleblowers came out, they're the ones that went back and fixed the data to make it look like there was nothing to see. Exactly. It I- wasn't China. I absolutely agree with you. May I show you the uh, the title slide of the talk that I'm going to give on Saturday at the <clears throat> American Freedom Alliance Conference, where a great many people are saying China, 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 China. Uh, I think I'm sharing my screen. I want to start share. Stop sharing. All right, just one moment. Can you? Oops. Can let me move this. Can you yes. see the slide? Yes, I can. The World Health Organization, the All-American Death Star. This whole plan that we're all, I'll stop sharing now if I can, God willing. (laughs) Maybe. Let's see if I can stop sharing. 
cancel. Um, I have stopped sharing, I hope. Um, this has all been laid out through American ingenuity and American um, creativity and American money through principally the Rockefeller family, starting with John D. Rockefeller Sr., moving on to John D. Rockefeller Jr., through the generations down to the more recently expired David Rockefeller. It goes on and on. And they roped in carefully every government in the world by well, controlling it. They controlled and, it. You know, the World Health Organization wants to control it, but that's still, we can still say no. The United we can States absolutely can say, say no. no. And, and let me, and so let if me point you can't out, blame somebody else, your neighbor, for convincing you to do something. It's still your freaking fault. It's absolutely going. our fault. And, and it's Are the you? fault of each and every uh, unit of control, whether it's medical or public health or That's right. uh, yeah. environmental or governmental. Or you're the, you what, are the best medical people. You are the best medical authorities in the world, supposedly. The hell is wrong with you? How did you get duped? You're supposed to be an expert. Well, well I no longer the, how trust we got, your expertise. Exactly. How we got duped is what I discovered when I started preparing. Even I thought, even though I thought I understood the process, I I was woefully ignorant of exactly how we got here and how 196 countries could have said, yes, please take away our sovereignty and why don't you kill us all while you're at it and they have said that and so on <laughs> and let me let me make just one point Hello. yeah how could this happen and i I've, I've discovered how it happened um let me make just one point before i turn the 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 uh, conversation back over to you sarah um the the control that we've given away at the at the under the um, the impact of well controlled uh, philanthropathy, pathological predatory philanthropy, just taking money and Thank taking you. whatever it said we had to do and uh, agreeing to whatever it said we had to do in order to be fed from the trough of the institutions, the foundations, the grants, the science supporters, and so That's on. Right. That system yep. has been intentionally used to deprive That's us right. of our ability to say no, so that now we have to be willing to take that back. And I will remind you that Bertrand Russell, the great mathematician and we would now call him a globalist at the time they were called Fabian Socialists, said before the publication of Brave New World by his friend Algis Huxley, he said, the man of the future will through injunction, injection, injection and indoctrination be unable to have an independent thought. That was close to the turn of the 20th century. I think it's worse than that because I think that um, they showed us through COVID how they can they can force forcibly get rid of your free will, like not letting people go to university without getting yes, a shot. Yes, yes, All yes. these other things. But I think that the next step to to really getting rid of your free will is through bioacoustics and and the voice of God and the advanced technology to actually put the thoughts into your mind. And wow. then that's, 
that's the next level where you won't, you've met, you physically, unless you're a really strong person, you won't be able to, um, you won't be able to fight it and be able to think for yourself because they actually put the thoughts in your own mind. Gier Giordano gave level. a series of lectures. That's right. Years ago about how about DARPA that. had already been doing this for That's years, right. years and ago. They, and I did a little mini documentary on it and how they did it with Iraq and the soldiers all surrendered. They put in their mind that you, you're in danger, you must surrender, you already lost, blah, blah, blah. So they all surrendered. They did it to a um, some tribes in Africa where this pretty much peaceful tribe absolutely slaughtered another tribe. In they Rwanda. never acted that, well, yeah, Rwanda. They never acted that way. Uh, there's other, there's another one where, um, I can't remember all this cause this was way pre COVID when I was starting to do this and I did this little documentary. So much has happened since then. It was another place where there was a, um, a strike that they stormed the Capitol building in another country. And that was all mentally placed. It got them to do all these things. They backed off because it was too violent and too much. And I think there was some internal fighting on this, maybe they just got it to the point where they were ready to implement it. I'm concerned because that's the next level of taking away your free will. Absolutely. What they did, what they did this time was something that we all could stand up against and we could educate people, we could inform people through free speech and things. They unleash that technology. I don't know how we're gonna reach people, the, the masses, the that 98% of the people are, will be affected by it. I think there's a percentage of people that are too strong mentally and too centered that they will never be able to reach. But it will be like in those zombie movies where you're just surrounded by the invasion of the body snatchers and you just have to figure out who else is not affected. I, I think that's what it's going to be like if they implement that technology. They are implementing that technology. Uh, there is a professor here at the University of Arizona. I'm in uh, uh, Tucson, and that's the, the uh, home of the University of Arizona. There's a professor here named Dr. Russ Witte, W-I-T-T-E, who has studied this, received grants, done research in the development of it, but he's a good guy on our side. And he has been saying for several years that through the use of 4G technology, 5G technology, um, the thought control aspect is already well advanced and well, um, yeah. well yeah. in place. And I maintain that the self-assembling nanotechnology, which I do believe has been instilled into people um, through the jabs and possibly through infection of one jab person to an unjab person, um, that self-assembling nanotechnology, which assembles under the impact of the electromagnetic signal, a pulse mag microwave uh, 5G signal, um, in fact is capable of impacting the way we think, the way we feel, the way we behave, but most importantly, the way we obey. And indeed, the way we die. Since I made a video yeah. suggesting that one of the ways that we are dying is by having the pulsed microwave create full body spasm of all voluntary muscles. One of those voluntary muscles, the striated muscle, is the heart. And I, I believe that those people who stiffen 
turn around sometimes, sometimes don't turn around and fall over like a plank are in fact being electromagnetically executed. With and they these, could be testing it, testing it pardon out. Pardon me? Testing it out on a certain number yes, of people. Yes, experimentally um, uh, seeing what happens and that. so on. So we are dealing with people who are, who have decided for whatever reason that they are no longer connected to other human beings in any meaningful way. We well, are connected just, to people. Inc incredible that they're willing to do this. They they have themselves convinced in their psychopathic way that this is the right thing to do. Yes. Which is just incredible. But one thing that uh, some research that Lee Merritt has been looking into, and I just did uh, a show with her and I haven't aired it yet, where she's looking at, what's the name of it? Um, it's a specific thing that they weaponize so that we are, are more, uh, our antennas, our ability to be influenced is higher. But there's a body of research saying that human beings naturally are not able to be in mass, are not able to be um, controlled this way with frequency. And maybe that's why the Bible says we will give you free will is because they we have some natural mechanisms to fight that naturally. And so the only way for them to really control us is to inject stuff into us and yes. to do all the crap because we have. We have natural um, ways to combat that, so right. that's why it gets really interesting. The you know we we were created to combat their ability to take away our free will without them injecting and changing us, because they have to change us in order for us to be able to be susceptible to that, and um, that's really that's something that we're looking into right now because and I personally am very interested in because that aligns with you know, the Bible what and early teachings of how we have free will and why we were created. And um, without that, we aren't the creative beings that we're meant to be. You know, all of humanity ceases Absolutely. to exist when we no longer create. And you take away our free will, we are no longer human. We are just a robot our, or whatever we are. Absolutely. Our, uh, our, mentor, our mentor and Dr. Rima's husband of many years, uh, General Burt's Doublebine, uh, said many important things about free will and about its role. And he, of course, it's, he is the person who said that informed consent, which is obviously free will, informed consent is the defining issue of the 21st century. And uh, having said that, let me remind folks, here we are halfway through the Dr. Rima Truth Reports, brought <coughs> to you over people for people, that's F-O-R, peopleforpeople.ning.com, we ask you, we urge you, we beg you to please join peopleforpeople.ning.com, support peopleforpeople.ning.com, and uh, patronize the people who bring you amazing podcasts over this station. In fact, uh, um, we, uh, we just want to make sure that you understand, folks, that we are really uh, uh, deeply in gratitude toward, toward Vanessa and toward Gaz and toward the folks who make this possible. Um, our websites are, of course, opensourcetruth.com, uh, Dr. Rima's legacy website, drrimatruthreports.com, and on Telegram, we are Open Source Truth, and of course, our new website, preventgenocide2030.org, and Prevent Genocide on Telegram. And with that, let's go back to our guests. But 
but before we go back to the conversation, Sarah, would you please tell us again the name of the website that people need to go to and how they can register for and attend uh, the the amazing conference that you've put together for next week? Yeah, go to unitedforfreespeech.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll get all the updates on when it's going to be. It's April 28th, and it's going to start at 7 p.m., and you'll be able to find it right on the front page or United for Free Speech um, platform. We're on all the different video platforms that will be streaming on Rumble. Also, I want to do a plug for my own website, sarahwestall.com. I write articles, I publish um, reports, uh, I publish shows, I do a lot of interviews and stuff, but lately I've been like, I've been enjoying writing um, a lot. I don't know if it's therapeutic for me. I never in a million years thought I'd be <laughs> writing. I mean, I just not, I'm, you know, I, a tech person, I was into sports. I was, you know, I coached sports forever. I was doing, I was, I was mathematics oriented. I was a, essentially a mathematician. That's what I went, essentially got in my, computer science. Computer science was part of the math department. And then it broke out just for me like a decade, decade or two after I got my degree. So the overlap of computer of mathematics in that degree is 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 more than what an engineer gets. It's it's just a very heavy. So I'm just more logical and stuff. And then now I do all this writing and I it's therapeutic for me and I get stuff. I learn a lot. I do research. It allows me to think. And so I publish that on my Substack. and it's sarahwestall.com has grown beyond me. I have other independent journalists that publish reports there and uh, Dr. Vera Porter and Renee Parsons, wonderful people. They also do regular columns there and people will like their work, but because I, it's outgrown me, I also have my Substack where I publish my actual, where I do some writing and I talk to people and do stuff. So I have both. I have sarahwestall.com, which is a really great information and then and a news source and all that stuff. And then I have my Substack, uh, Sarah Westall. Uh, it's, it's, what is it? sarahwestall.substack.com. And you can join that as well. So we would, but, we would love to add uh, with your permission, we would love to add your uh, Substack and your website to two sources to which people go. One is the resources page on Prevent Genocide 2030, and the other is opensourcetruth.com, which is a news aggregation site. I would so, absolutely appreciate that. We would love that. And we'll talk about that uh, after okay. the show, because it is so important for those of us who are delving and digging and developing information to be able to cross uh, cross fertilize each other's audiences as well as each other. Because how, yeah. oh, yeah. how are we yeah, going to get smarter? How are we going to get smarter? Yeah, it's the freedom of speech and expression. And you know what I say about freedom of speech? It's not about my ability to speak freely, although it is, it's about my ability to hear what others have to say that's more important. Right. And that's how we learn is through what others have to say. And so when we say, I need to speak, I need to have my freedom to speak. Well, that's important, but it's only important because others need to hear it. And right. I need to hear what others have to say. Yeah. It's I important would like to, to see that it's a perspective change. Exactly. It is a, it is a communication system. The one who speaks mm -hmm. and the one who hears what is spoken are part of the same system. 
And yep. both must be free to listen, to speak, to question, exactly. to agree, to disagree, and to dance together. That's, That's the it's point. It's not just let's debate. Let's bring it on. We're going to learn a lot through that. That's that's just as valuable. Let me tell you a story, a true story that took place right. this past Sunday. And I, as a free speech advocate and as a thoughtful person, I would like your your response um, to the to the whole process. There is a group called Doctors for COVID Ethics. Uh, Susharat Bhakti is um, one of the people who created it. And there was an eminent, very, very interesting people from around the world convene weekly to discuss and learn and, and tussle with things. And there was a brouhaha and a group broke off and they called themselves Medical Doctors for COVID Ethics as opposed to uh, doctors for COVID mm -hmm. ethics. Okay, so now there's a group called Medical Doctors for COVID Ethics, and twice a week they convene. Um, the moderator is named uh, Stephen Kovas, who was a psychologist, then became a lawyer uh, in Australia, and um, has been fighting for freedom in a, quite a number of interesting and admirable ways. So Stephen Kovas uh, moderates the group, and the group was actually started by a radiologist in Europe named Stephen Frost, a Welshman. Okay, so Stephen and Charles created this group and they have very interesting speakers. And I've been attending this group for I think uh, close to a year on Sundays. And um, on this past Sunday, a lovely woman whom we've had on this show, a woman who was born in the uh, then Soviet Union and now lives in Germany named Masha Orell, was speaking about the fact that um, a in Germany, the use of the word anti-Semitic or the charge that someone is anti-Semitic is now a very serious crime. Whether or not somebody is anti-Semitic, it's, um, it's a code word for you're not allowed to say whatever it is you, that you just said. And right. questions are not allowed to be raised. And it's, it's quite a... Um, a confining weaponization of the ability to think. At the same time, there is such a thing as anti-Semitism. It's a real thing and it's rising in, um, in freedom circles. It's fashionable at this point again, and it's quite yeah, toxic. Right. So yeah. Masha was talking about a guy who was called anti-Semitic, a scientist, who found the pressure so intolerable that he actually killed himself. And she's in the process of trying to clear his name and also trying to reserve the use of the word of the term anti-Semitic for things that are actually anti-Semitic so that when it's used, it still has meaning and it doesn't become uh, uh, sort of um, um, meaningless because it's used everywhere. Um, and that's a worthwhile thing to do. So she was giving wow. her talk and, um, and people were writing in the chat as they usually do in this group that there is a, and I'm quoting a satanic Khazarian mafia who are not real Jews. The real Jews are good, but these other non-real Jews are pretend Jews. 
and they are Jewish supremacists and they are inspired by the Talmud to um, to do evil things to anyone who is not a Jew. And they have taken over the entire U.S. military. They are the deep state. They are evil. And it went on and on and on. But there's a um, another side to this, the, the science that they assert without any documentation is that these Khazarian uh, uh, satanic make-believe Jews, the Ashkenazi Jews, of whom I happen to be one, by the way, uh, are actually um, uh, carrying a gene around which the spike protein was engineered. So anybody carrying that gene doesn't get harmed by the spike protein and the vaccines were designed to kill everybody else, but not the people who carry that gene. Whoa! I mean, not only is there no science to this, it is, it is uh, new, the same old horrible wine, uh, the elders of Zion and so on, in the new bottles of genetic science. It's the same old crap. Well, and I... I I, I do have a lot to say about that. Well, Dr. let me let me let me tell the story. Okay, let me tell the story. Oh, and I then, have a then lot. I, I can be quiet. Got in. Okay. So, uh, these these things were in the chat, and I put them together without editing them. I put together several several little comments, and in the chat, I put because somebody explained to me why this is not anti-Semitic, because in my view, it, these are you know the the satanic Kazarian mafia. The blah blah blah. That sounds pretty anti-Semitic to me. And then Dr. I put Eva, up my hand about this. Are they the people who are saying this are saying that these uh, Satanist Kazarians are not real Jews? They're not real Jews, and they're do saying the real, that they do themselves. They, do, the, do the Satanist Kazarians consider themselves Jews? Yes, or they do. They, they, they think do. they're Jews. Okay. And and <laughs> so these people are saying, no, I'm not anti-Semitic, but but up but up but up but up. But so I said, would you explain to me why this isn't anti-Semitic? And I put my hand up and I, I said, so I've put these, these quotes in the chat and I'd like to understand because we haven't defined what anti-Semitism is. We've just used the word. Could you, at which point Charles Kovas starts screaming at me saying, no, we're not asking that question. I said, could you let me ask the question so we could talk about it? No, you're not asking that question. We're not discussing that here. This is in a free speech environment. And I said, well, if I can't even ask a question, I won't participate in this group. And I left and I will never go back. But the point is, it was a, a, a free inquiry group of people from around the world who are not allowed to look at this issue. I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe there really is such a gene. Maybe blah, 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 blah. But could we talk about it? No, we can't. We can scream and suppress the discussion so that there can be no forward movement. Now I will be quiet and speak, Sarah. <laughs> okay. Well, there, there is some science behind that, but let's talk about, and I'll talk a little bit about it. But first of all, not being able to speak about it is wrong, period. This, it's the heart of why we need to have free speech uh, talking about it. The other thing is um, the Kassarian Mafia was created to stop, to stop the whole point, because I know the person who termed the coin and termed the phrase initially, and I've interviewed him and we've talked a lot. 
um, the the phrase is not is meant to take the the Jewish people out of it. They've bastardized everything gets weaponized against it. The point of it was to say, okay, this isn't about Jewish people. This is about a mafia of which the Kasarian mafia has a lot of Jewish people in it, but it also has Christians and everybody else in it. And and just to be fair, there are a lot of Jewish people who are globalists who are yes. in on, on this. They're, they're, but it's true. I don't see them as Jewish people. I see them as um, most of these people, that's their cover because they're really um, uh, worshiping, doing an old, um, what do you call it? Uh, an old religion, an old um, pagan religion. They sacrifice children and they do all this stuff. It's very documented with the Catholic Church and you know the Pope and the Vatican. There's two aspects of the Vatican. It's awful. But it's true, and it makes sense that an old religion from 2,000 years ago that the Romans followed with the most powerful people in the world, they followed this. They're not just going to give it up because the Christians decided everybody had to be Christian or Jewish people. To, it's not, That wasn't what happened. They said, no, we're going to keep our religion. Problem is they sacrificed children. They were the ones with all the resources. They're nuts, okay? And that this... this do you have something you want to say? Because I have a ton. Yeah, of yeah. I, uh, that the the point I, I want to amplify and agree with the point you're making that all of the distinctions that we make about race and religion and nation and so on are completely meaningless to these people. They affiliate only with their own self-interest and their own right. uh, dominance activities, using any kind of affiliation as a as a cover, as you said. That's right. And, and I think the Jewish people have been scapegoated. For some reason, they're the ones they use the most as a, a means of, they brutalize them. I mean, with COVID, they're, they, the, they did implement the COVID shots in the highest amount in Israel. And not that, it, it, Israel isn't completely innocent here, just like the United States is. Israel's done some shitty things. And obviously the United States has. We've all done shitty things, but we all also have this, I don't know what is the best term, but there's this mafia group and the Kazarian mafia was purposely, the t term was coined to purposely be able to identify this group that take, they call them name changers and stuff because they take on all these identities that you're going to find them in the Christian religion. You're going to find them in Muslims. You're going to find every walk of life has these guys. Their base really is out of Ukraine, which is sad, but it is. And I, you know, I have some ethnic Ukrainian in me, Czechoslovakian. I'm more English and Scottish and German, but you know, that's, that's it, but it is what it is. And so the whole point was to, create a term where we could identify a group and stop using Jewish people as the as the weapon. But these people didn't get it because the problem is a lot of the some of the more powerful Kazarians or this mafia group are Jewish, like the um Rothschilds. The Rothschilds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No so, question. Uh, and not, not that they're Jewish, they claim to be Jewish. Mm -hmm. They're Jewish people, true religious people people or two people who follow God don't act like this. You you answer this. Were you taught to mass slaughter and do genocide in your religion? Is that ever condoned? Is that something your religion believes? No religion, no organized religion on the planet condones those behaviors. So anybody okay. who uses the religious format 
is cloaking themselves for some other purpose. That's right. And so when people try to tell me, yeah, but the Jewish religion teaches them that they're more superior and that, but they don't teach them to do mass genocide. I don't know what, but that is bullshit. Okay. Yeah. And so it, it, to me, it feels like a psyop because anytime I do an, a show where, because I talked about Nazi Germany and we talked about the Third Reich is tech, the Supreme Court in Nazi, in Nazi, and the Supreme Court in Germany says that the Third Reich still exists. They never actually changed the, the laws and stuff. It's a, it's a great show that we did with a historian from Germany talking about how the Supreme Court came out in like 2015 and said, yeah, this is true. And there's, there's a big backstory to it because there's a group kind of like a QAnon group, but in Germany that has kind of a lot of political clout and they wanted to get rid of this notion. So they asked the Supreme Court, is that true that the Third Reich still exists? And like, yeah, well, technically that's true. We still are operating under the Third Reich. And so it was, it's, 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 it's a very interesting show, but the, the, where was I getting at with that? Oh, my point was, is that the trolls came out in mass. I mean, I, I was like, I, I, these people don't listen to my show. They're just like, it was, it had to be bots or it had to be nutbags doing it, or it had to be maybe people, but they don't listen to my show on any kind of regular basis because the way they're writing and it, it triggered all these trolls, you know, like, I, I just, I don't even remember some of the things I said, but I was also on a show. I was on Jim Fetzer's show and I was talking about the censored conference, right? And he wanted to help promote it. And some guy came on and he was an, he truly was an anti-Jewish person. And he says, the Jews are to blame for everything. And I, mean, and I just was like, no, they're not. And this guy started swearing at me. And, I, and I'm like, that it's just not true. And that's a dangerous belief to have because once you start blaming a group of people for something yes. then that's the the beginning of genocide that's why these that's why world war ii happened or what happened but we're doing that with other groups you know they're using the psychology against people i i do think the kazarian mafia i i like that word because unless they weaponize it which sounds like they're starting to do but i like the word because it took the the, the pressure off the jewish thing but when you look at what the, these globalists are doing, they've always um, wanted to kill the, the, tr the Jewish people. They, don't, they want them out of their way. And I, they've always been, it's not just the Jewish people, it's also um, indigenous people are also the ones who are heavily targeted. And I have my own theories about why the Native American people and indigenous people are so heavily targeted. But there's multiple groups that are so heavily targeted by these people and it just is now we're all being targeted so i hope i answered your question but i think it's a just a more you know, we got to operate with wisdom here and for you not to be able to question that this conversation that we had point. this conversation that we're having is something that we should that should be happening but i do got to tell you there is some evidence that certain types of genes are are being more targeted than others that um our secretary becerra i have a whistleblower who's a health um, he was a um, health, public health ed, uh, officer in California. He sent me the video. Um, they openly said they know the vaccine is killing people of color, Hispanics, indigenous people, and I think people of color, so maybe Chinese, Asian. I don't, I don't know all the groups I have to dig in on at twice the rate as uh, white people. Genetically focused research has been sponsored by the United States. Weapon, weaponization of genetic uh, profiles 
has been sponsored by the United States for at least 50 years That's right. in South That's Africa, right. in the United States. There's no yeah. question that genetic sure. um, uh, particularities and peculiarities are used in order to um, uh, assault particular configurations of humanity. There's no question about that. The the issue that I was bringing up, which is the one that you um, that you picked up immediately, Sarah, is that there was no possibility of discussion. First of all, I might be wrong. Second of all, I might learn something. Somebody else might learn something from me and, and so on. But there was no possibility because this self-censoring um, organization or, or group of people decided that they had the right to shut down any questioning that used the wrong words or the wrong um, uh, possible belief system. They don't know what I believed. Um, or make sure that there could be no meaningful discourse. That's what I was getting to. It happened in this case to be about anti-Semitism or Khazarian mafia. It wasn't important to me, what it was about. It was important that it happened in a group of people who pride themselves on being open to information and discourse. Yeah, it's too bad because people are people. So even the ones who want to be open. And one of the things that we've said with United for Free Speech is that we will allow anybody to speak who are who's authentic and true in their research and um, trying to look at things from a whole list. They could be wrong. I completely disagree with them but a wrong from my perspective, but as long as they're authentic and they're bringing their truth. Um, and, and, and that, if somebody's just affected by propaganda, that means they didn't look at the research. They didn't look at other, a, a holistic view. Or they the research to. has been so heavily propagandized that they need to look further. Yeah. And so we will push back on people like who we believe haven't gone through those, um, that process sufficiently because we don't want it to be a propaganda now, you know, organization. We want it to be something that brings truth. But but the only thing that so those are our barriers is that you you have to be authentic in your truth, and you ha you can't you have to be able to look past the propaganda and look at all different sources. And if I don't agree with you, that's fine. But you you have to have that authenticity to you. So. Uh, that's where I stand on it. And so, cause we've talked about this up front because we knew there's going to be people who are going to want to speak who we don't agree with. And, but that should not uh, disbar them from speaking. And especially for important conversations like this. Now I did read an article on the ADL, um, the, um, what do you call it? The defamation league, because they are anti-defamation league. They were started what 1904 or something like that to be the anti-hate group. And they're the ones who notoriously have been um, trying to eliminate anti-Semitism. But their work has expanded way past anti-Semitism to anybody that goes against the COVID narrative, anybody that speaks out against vaccines, anybody that just goes against the government narrative altogether. They are the one, they're trying to shut them down and spear them. So I understand trying to fight something that's dangerous, you know, like just blanket, blanket, you know, views on human beings without proof. That's what anti-Semitism is. You're doing a blanket discriminatory thing without proof. And maybe a certain portion of them really are evil bastards that we want to take down, but you're making it so that all of them are. And that's the 
that's just wrong. And it's just, it's not how we operate. But they went past that now, and they're going after all these other things, and they've become a weaponized force for the globalists. And that's wrong too. And and so we're dealing with all these organizations that have been weaponized who who once stood for something that was pretty good. But you know what? The ACLU defended the Nazis' right to um, talk. The neo-Nazis in in 1978 in Skokie, Illinois. I was just yeah, about that, to bring that up. And my, my dad's um, high school friend and college roommate was a lawyer who represented the Nazis in that case for the ACLU. Wow. And yeah, and my son did a, um, he did a middle school project on it and he w- worked with us. Um, and he, he won this, this history award and stuff, but it taught me a lot. And actually, I've been talking to him a lot about Goldberger. He is his name. And I've been talking to him about speaking at the Senate. He, he's been retired for a long time, and now he's just starting to understand that the censorship is government-related. But he really was, he's a hardcore Democrat, right? And he's a Jewish guy, and he's all these things. And he's starting to realize that the government's actually been involved in this stuff. Because he always, he he just has been retired. From, he's older. He's like my dad. They're good friends. But in, anyways, um his his notion was is you got to protect the worst among us to be able to speak in order for all of us to be able to speak uh, who agrees with the guy that who thinks that all jewish people are bad i don't you know the guys marching through skokie that's awful um he he lost a lot of his family members wouldn't talk to him um the aclu lost 40 percent of their membership back then because people were so angry but they stood for something and they understand what the principle meant now they're a dead organization who exactly that's just, that's just sticking up for the um the government narrative and that's because george soros gave them 50 million dollars in 2012 and after that they changed the smith mutt exactly. act to allow propaganda exactly. against the american people and then the aclu came out that year and said this is the best thing for freedom of speech there ever is what? So you can use propaganda against the American people? That was the ACLU after they got money from George Soros. Precisely. They died after that. That's the, Renee that's Parson. the philanthropic psychopathy that's that I'm right. talking about. That's, right. that's the, the predatory Re- philanthropy. Rene Parsons. I always say Renee. It's Rene. Um, she's one of the people who write on my, my site. She was the president of one of the chapters of the ACLU, and she's the one that brought that to my attention. She goes, it's a, that organization is nothing like what it used to be. And they, you could count on them to protect anybody's freedom of expression, and that's gone. And um, we don't have one organization anymore that's allowing that. And obviously, you didn't get to voice your own concern. I do think that because there's something to this Kazarian mafia, but it's too bad because they're working to weaponize it and make everybody look like a bunch of assholes. But we do need a way to term this group that is this globalized cult. Vanessa, Vanessa, who uh, is one of the two people that makes this wonderful platform possible here at peopleforpeople.ning.com wrote, perhaps we should call them the globalist mafia. That works for me. Well, Cliff High calls them the mother weffers. (laughs) I kind of like that one too. (laughs) Mother weffers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's all sorts of names I can come up with that I can't say on air, but yeah, that 
you know, you can call them whatever you want, but we got we just can't allow them to weaponize a term and then turn it against us. And they're they, they're very good at that. So we just have to be have our antennas up and not allow that to happen because we're not blaming innocent people. We need to identify who these people are because otherwise you're going to be killing and hurting or directing your energy at innocent people. And they've exactly. already been traumatized and victims of all this BS like the rest of us. We need to go after, you know, who the actual culprits are. Exactly. And, Exactly, yeah. which is uh, what my research has been informing me on as I prepare for this uh, uh, presentation this coming Saturday. Um, the thing that shocked me, I mean, we all know about Rockefeller medicine. We all know about the pharmaceutical industry that was created and the, the allopathic industry that was elevated um, to sell drugs. We all know that Bill Gates um, invested heavily in vaccines and then invested heavily in the World Health Organization and other organizations that buy his products. It's a business model. Uh, what we may not understand is the way in which Rockefeller brought in his buddies Carnegie and Harriman and the, the wealthy industrial Gould and so on, brought in all these wealthy industrialist families, divvied up the pie of world culture and world segments, world market segments, and then proceeded to literally capture both the private the educational and the governmental um, definition and control systems of each of those segments quite intentionally to bring about a completely controlled society in which human truth has very little place and human survival has no place if they have their way. And so, of course, as you said earlier, we just have to find the, the proper tools to make sure that they don't have their way they that they don't have their way that's right yes because yeah i mean I, it's so obvious i mean i can keep beating this dead horse but i think your audience knows why it's important by now so tell us about the the roster of speakers that the meeting will have well we had um anthony wood or patrick wood I always call him Anthony, but Patrick he had a triple bypass surgery. So after he said he could do it, he ended up having triple bypass surgery. And he, he emailed me back and said, I don't know if I can do it now. So he might move to the next one. We'll have another one. Um, but we have you and we have um, uh, Andy Sheckman and we have um, uh, Corey Lynn. Corey is amazing. We have Cynthia McKenney again. We have, I mean, we just have so many great people who are going to be speaking. I, what they should do is go to United for Free Speech, look under uh, speakers for Act 2, and you'll see all of those that we have listed. And we have Bill Binney. Um, he said he'd speak, and I'm waiting for his uh, thing. We also have uh, Andreas Kalker. He's so busy, but he sent us a video for us to play, so we're going to do that. And um, we have James Fetzer. Now, James Fetzer is very controversial. A lot of people don't agree with what he has to say, but he has That's fine. Yeah, he, and he means, he believes what he says. He does a ton of research. And, you know, he, he has some pretty big bombshells that he's going to share in his presentation. And I highly recommend people watch it. Whether you agree with them or not, we should be able to. Here's the deal. This is what I'm going to say in the intro when I introduce him, is that when we are not allowed to question events, 
we can't question the details of events that sound weird and fishy from us from the government and they just shut us down all that does is allow them to do those events and so uh, it, it makes no sense that we would allow the government to completely shut down people who are trying to do inquiry into what is actually going on even if it's nutty we have to allow it because otherwise without without with them being able to completely shut down questions on an important event they can do false flags and they can do propaganda the only way we can keep them from doing that crap is to question it and so i like james fetzer's and i like he's that he's just like keeps going and going and going and going he's a pain in the ass to them and i love it even if if he's controversial because he's asking the questions that need to be asked and so um it's important those are important and as soon as we shut down that we Put, make ourselves um, vulnerable for them to be able to actually Absolutely. do Absolutely. So yeah. have you gotten any pushback that says, no, no, you should not be uh, celebrating free speech? I mean, who, who would say I, that? Nobody is openly saying that. Um, I think they're doing it through actions and they're trying to, there are people who are saying that that free speech, there was a really good article um, the activist, po activist post posted. Um, I don't remember who wrote it. It might've been um, Whitney Webb's group on uh, where they analyze, I can't remember who wrote it. I wish I did, but it was a wonderful article. I shared it on my newsletter of where they had people at the University of Chicago really talking about how they need to shut down these other voices because it's disinformation and how how important it is that the that we shut down these people and the people on the panel are like you know and Fox News is so bad is it Fox News is all that out there and um, so they just don't want anybody that disagrees with their narrative and then they actually had people at the at the um, party professors or whoever they were at the University of Chicago honestly say but our side you know CNN uh, like they believe CNN and MSN they don't do that it's just Fox News that does. I mean, they said it like that, like they truly believed it. What that tells me is they're a propagandized cult member. You know what I mean? Who can't think? I mean, that's what a cult member's behavior is like. Somebody who like, oh, but we don't do that. Is How can they even be a university level instructor or person at a top university and because. be naive and clueless? But because the, the top universities are weaponized propaganda right. machines. They, that's they are. how. That's right. They are. They, well, and it's became clear lately, if they're really the best, that's why I say, if they're really Harvard and these guys, if they're really the best medical schools in the country, how come they couldn't see through what we've been talking about? How can they not see the medical studies and these? It's because they chose not to. They've been weaponized because all that did is tell me that they have a bunch of naive people who can't critically think or that's being nice or they're evil and part of this agenda and because anybody who is good at what they do as a medical doctor is going to see through all this bullshit. so how can they possibly i the fact that they could come out unscathed their reputation from this is um almost to me unbearable because but the reputation are, is managed by the media which is right. part of the system that is but the fact that the best medical schools in the world propagated 
death should really make people pause. And but that's probably why they don't like me because I make these comments. But it's it it's really important that they rehaul overhaul their environments because if they really want to be good at what they do, they can't act and behave like that because that is um, a death system, right? It's just not, they're not the best at what they do. They're probably the worst at what they do. Um, propaganda, you know, are um, walking around and propagandizing people that they're the best at what they do when they're actually maybe the worst at what they do. And so that's what you, power and money can do. Exactly. And do you know who founded the University of Chicago? What, Rockefeller? I don't know. John D. Rockefeller Sr. Um, the the public health schools, pretty much all of them around the world, yeah. were all funded by the Rockefeller Institute and their their allies that they would bring in. And they were done specifically to control the way we think about what health is and how we need drugs because Rockefeller owned the controlling interest in every drug company in the world. Um, well, and the allopathic system was created or was elevated. It's always been around, but it was elevated specifically to be a drug distribution yeah, system. That's right. And you know, what I, is the best school is the one that was elevated to be the elite structure in order to sell this crap. That's right. That's right. It's it's their structure of making a money and control. But the one thing is, I think engineering schools, because they teach people how to think, and not all can think. I mean, but that's what the goal is: is to be able to conceptual you know, conceptualize things. I think that engineers, you know, big tech, and I I've been saying this: people, they're the most of the engineers in big tech are smart. Most of them are kind. Most of them are not involved in this big time agenda. They can make a difference. They haven't been propagandized like the medical schools have been. They haven't been taught to, medical schools get taught to memorize, not to critically think. Engineers get taught to critically think and to figure shit out. And um, they can be a solution to this madness because they're in positions to make sure this doesn't take over our world and they're inside the bowels of this control structure. I think engineers, tech, these computer scientists, my background, I think they can be a uh, wonderful tool for us to overturn this and make a difference if those people can get the courage to do what's right. We've had some wonderful whistleblowers from inside that sector of the world. Um, do you do you have contact with um, the the denizens of the bowels of the of the beast who are in fact looking for ways to make things better? I do. I think there's an army of them. There's an army of them. I do have a lot that listen to my show that contact me. Um, I think that they are attracted to people who are who think logically and are willing to, you know, fight these problems on a, you know, in a in a way like that, and they see through a lot of this BS. Now that doesn't mean that 80% of them aren't also brainwashed. I don't know how many percentage, maybe 50% of them, but there's a higher probable chance that uh, there's a nice army inside these big tech firms who could see through this and who could really help us. And they're in there. They could be cogs making a difference. 
And, um, you know, like uh, Zach Voorhees said, you know, he, yes. he said so many of his, you know, as a friend of mine, so many of the people at Google were like, oh, my God, when they started figuring out what was going on, they're like, I can't believe what our company's doing. You know, so many of them are like, holy shit. And um, I think that's happening because they're, they, they don't want to be part of this. They, most scientists and engineers aren't evil. They're just, they like to do their thing. You know, and I, I think most doctors, certainly when they begin, are not evil. And if they if they understood what they were being pulled into and shaped into, if they understood consciously, I think most of them would not have participated. I think but the true. the training is so insidious and the it, it's a cult. Uh, and you don't start with the core beliefs of the cult being smashed down somebody's throat. You start with the acceptable beliefs, the nice part, the the easy part. That's and then right. it's bite by bite by bite by bite until you're so deeply enmeshed in it that A, you can't see that you're enmeshed in it. And B, you can't think about what's outside the right. cult belief system fairly because you've been propagandized to believe and to adhere to the belief system and to look up and see truth and look out and see threat. That's how a cult works. Medical That's education right. is most assuredly a cult. Legal education is a cult. That's most right. educations are a cult. Most educations are, are a cult. I think the engineering school has a chance, the engineers, because they're taught mathematics and logic differently than the rest. Um, and that's why we also see a lot of people who are in the trades who weren't taught any of this crap, they're seeing through it as well. Absolutely. Because they propagandized, yeah. Well, they were propagandized, but they but said, nah, that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. But not through I had, their schooling. Not, not through, through their, their schooling. schooling, right. I, I've yeah. told the story. I, I had a sewage volcano a year ago this past November in my house, and large portions of my house had to be torn apart, reconstructed, rebuilt, replaced. It was a true nightmare. I lived for four months in a hotel with two very large dogs. That was not fun. Um, and I was interacting with tradespeople, with plumbers and tilers yep. And, yep. And, and wall people and so on. And I asked every one of them, have you taken the COVID jabs? And they all said, no, not me. Hell, I mean, my That's wife great. did. My parents did. I won't visit my parents anymore. They all got it. Every single one of them. My professional colleagues, <laughs> not even close. That's right. And I think because they just, they, they're more practical. They're not, they weren't indoctrinated. The other thing is, is that going to these universities and things, they have this ego and they have this elite attitude and they refuse to look beyond their their own education. They think they're right. And as soon as you shut down your mind and you think you're right over everything, you stop learning and you stop being a productive member of society in, in that way. And they've they've done that. They've you you articulated it very well on how they how it's a cult but that shuts their mind down. And these guys haven't been put through that. And so they can see, and they also have more common sense because they're on the ground. They're, they, they deal with the grit of every day. And so they can read through some of that BS as well. It was a blessing for them to not have that, that cult indoctrination. You know, I come Absolutely. from a family that, 
that has a lot of indoctrination. So I, I see it. Absolutely, yeah, like and, and it's hopeful to me how many people have said, that doesn't make sense. You know, that does, just doesn't make sense. I'm not doing that. And That's right. I, I often heard my wife is a nurse and she took the kids to be jabbed and I was really upset by it. And the, the, the important part of that is my wife is a nurse. My wife has That's been so indoctrinated. What? The thing is, you know, it's so sad because the families have been. Oh, yeah. You know, I've worked really hard. I've made a conscious effort to say, OK, I love my sisters. I love my extended family. And and I'm not going to allow this to. And they did, too. They've said, OK, even if we don't agree, we're not going to let this. And we fundamentally disagree on some stuff. And we just they're like. Nope, we're not going to let this, we're not even going to talk about it. They, they go on vacation with us and we had a wonderful time and we will not allow that to wreck our relationship. And in fact, I know that they're going to be traumatized over the next years as they realize the truth because they're not stupid people. They've just been indoctrinated and they're going to need some kindness, you know, and um, it's hard because I, it, I, I'm frustrated that they weren't able to see through it because if you're an expert, you should be able to take your energy and learn and do it. But we also have to have some compassion for these people and realize that they were um, part of a system. Now, they're not the top of the network. They were useful for that network and they were manipulated. And we need to get to the top of the network who actually are implementing this and we need to destroy it. And um, we need to to rescue these people mentally so that they stop implementing well, this crap. We need to rescue them. them more than mentally. The people who have accepted the jabs and the people who have been contaminated by those who have accepted the jabs need to be rescued biologically. And in fact, I have proposed um, a research initiative to see if we can rapidly, inexpensively and quickly identify what people are carrying either through direct injection or transfection uh, and then can remove it, can disinfect as well as detox people. And um, I've been assured that it will be um, carried out. I'm waiting to hear That's what the, the particulars are because I, and I've been saying this for Actually, since before the rollout of the, the jabs, because it was pretty clear that they were going to be death shots, I've been saying that if we don't do this, the level of Holocaust that we are going to see right. is it's totally right. unparalleled in human history. Well, it's already unparalleled, but we're, it's going to get, it's going to be significantly death. worse. Yeah. And, you know, Lee Merritt, you know, Dr. Lee Merritt. Yeah. She believes that it, this isn't an RNA gene editing. She has some ideas. And all this is, I don't know what's true or not, but it's a really worth debating and learning and figuring out this stuff amongst the doctors and scientists. Because if she's right in her research, then we have a much better shot at dealing with this. Because if it's gene edited, it's much harder to reverse something where they've actually right. edited your genes. And so I hope to God she's right, because that's a much better place for us to be at. Um, and she's really far down her research hole thinking that this is what's happening. So I hope she's right. 
Let me um, remind you all that we have about five minutes left for the program. An amazing program it's been. Um, that is true. Amazing. I'm so pleased that that you've been able to share your time and your thoughts with us, Sarah. Um, I wanted to point out again that in the uh, immunization implementation agenda of the WHO, that is the World Holocaust Organization, um, there is a chart that shows that by 2030, there will be 500 novel vaccines and all of the prior ones, all of the existing ones will also be used and that every man, woman and child on the planet will receive every vaccine that exists with zero exemptions. Um, the, the new holy grail, which is actually the old holy grail for vaccinology, a truly pseudoscience, is mRNA platforms on which all kinds of vaccines can be made quickly and easily and it doesn't matter whether they're safe or not, who cares? We're going to use them and remember this is a depopulation effort. So the very concept of immune function is itself being weaponized so that we can no longer exist because the destruction of the immune system in the people who receive these vaccines or receive them through ingestion of vaccinated food, both plant and animal, the survival of those people will not be possible. We're talking about some pretty awful stuff. It's overwhelming. It's something that is so beyond a normal person's comprehension that it's hard to mentally go there. But we, I don't know if we have a choice. We have to. And not everybody has to go everywhere. I, people say, I'm overwhelmed. What shall I do? I say, pick the thing that resonates with your That's heart right. and work hard. on that. It's and people shouldn't have, not everybody should have to fight this from this perspective, especially when they're, let's say they're a hairdresser in Minneapolis or something. They feel that they have no control over what the World Health Organization does, but they might be able to control their local school district and stop some of the transgender baloney that's going on. So there are some things that they can do that they can wrap their arms around. And nothing nothing is too small if it makes a difference. Well, and there's yes, that is true. And at the same time, it's really easy to pick up your mouse and bombard your politicians with your demand through um, a site like Prevent Genocide 2030. It's not hard. Just go there, click put your name in, click submit, and the the system sends to all of your representatives or all members of parliament, if you're in Canada or the UK or wherever you are, your particular demand that you want to be out from under this killing machine. And by the way, the killing machine is only the, the death star being sent by the Imperium, if you will, WHO. But we got to stop that before it kills us, and then we'll figure out the rest through well, free discourse. We have to say no to, all, no to all vaccines at this point, no to all of their new vaccines. In fact, question all of them, and then also question it in livestock and in our food. We, ha we have to. We have to, but we also, my position is that we also must get our countries out from right. uh, the impact of the legally binding changes that are being made right. to the WHO, which is why we have to get out of WHO and the UN. But 
that doesn't solve the problems. It just buys us some time to solve the problems. Well, and it's up to us. It's, it gets back to we can't blame everybody. I can't blame China. Can't blame, it's, we got to blame ourselves. We have the right and the power. The United States has has the power to not be part of the who has the power to not yeah, deal exactly. with this crap. And so we and we have the power to not let blackmail influence you to do something that's going to destroy your exactly. entire family. Black, exactly. until you're blackmailed okay congressperson you're blackmailed i understand but now do you really want to make a decision that's going to destroy your grandkids their kids and every future generation in your family you got to make that decision and what's more important well you got to figure out how to get it out back from, out from underneath your blackmail and have some courage to do what's right precisely and speak freely and speak freely that's right. and Sarah Westall, thank you so much for being with us and sharing the important information and perspective and history that you bring to the issue of free speech. You own your own body, you own what you say, you own your mind, and it is your responsibility to exercise those freedoms as a free man or woman. Everyone is trying to control our minds. It's time we took control of them ourselves. We will be back next Tuesday. Thank you, folks. Thank you.